We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by No House Advantage. I'm Jim Coventry. You can find me at Jim Coventry, Mar- <laughs> at Jim Coventry NFL. Let's get that over. This is Mario Puig. You can catch Mario at the Posting Scout. And if you don't have the ability to listen to us on SiriusXM, you need to get it. Because Mario and I do the Saturday show, 1 to 3 Eastern. Sirius Channel 87. Mario Puig, we are going to dive right into the action here. Tonight's game, Thursday Night Football. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars, 6-8, and eight, trying to take a division title if they could get through to the Tennessee Titans. They're playing at the New York Jets, 7-7, seven and seven, who have seen their playoff odds kind of fade over the last couple of weeks. Weather is a very big deal here, Mario. 45 degrees, that part's fine. We're expecting 14-mile-per-hour winds throughout the game. 90% chance of rain throughout each quarter. So it's not one of these in-and-out rains. It's supposed to be the entire um, game. Injury-wise, a few important injuries to note. We already know Zach Wilson is making another start as Mike White is out with ribs. The Jacksonville Jaguars have some significant injuries. Their left tackle, Cam Robinson, is out for the season. Also, defensively, Foley Fatukasi, he's a very good run defender on the defensive line. He is out for them. And Trevon Walker is out. We do expect Quinn and Williams to be a game-time decision, but likely play. Mario, let's start this out on the Jacksonville Jaguars side of the football. Knowing it's a warm-weather team coming into a colder, rainy game, are there any general expectations that you have for the Jaguars side of the ball? Well, yeah, especially since the Jaguars don't have like a power-running element, I feel like this kind of setting might be one of the worst for them. Like it's it's good to have a little bit of an anchor ability with, with your with your run formations in, in a setting like this, and I don't think that suits ETN. I think they're kind of they're using ETN I think the wrong way anyway. Like they they should be using him more in space, more selectively, and uh, not giving him like the same carries that they would you know two hundred twenty pound back or whatever. So uh, I'm I'm a little concerned that this this might be a game where it's a little hard on ETN. He's had fumbling troubles anyway. So that's that's something that he's got to work on and, and at a time where there's all these other things that could be difficult for him. So a uh, little worried about the Jaguars run game, especially. And uh, I, I guess uh, we'll see what the weather turns out like. It's, it's sometimes really difficult to know the effect of the weather. Sometimes it just doesn't really matter that much. Other times it does quite a bit. 
Uh, maybe it's fair to say usually it doesn't matter quite that much unless it's like, you know, really bad wind precipitation. So if it's just kind of rainy and just kind of windy, maybe Trevor Lawrence can keep it going a little bit. But at the very least, he's going to need to get the ball to people other than Zay Jones because Zay Jones against Sauce Gardner is just a no-go. Nope. DJ Reed on the other side has been really effective too. So Christian Kirk has to carry, and, and I guess Evan Ingram has to carry the offense and the if those two don't get going, I don't know what Jacksonville can do. Because you're right. That's their one ability to move the ball. Now, the good news is Doug Peterson has done very well to weaponize his players, especially in the last five to six weeks. He's really gotten it right. And what he figured out with Evan Ingram is not using his speed vertically. He's using his speed horizontally to run away from defenders. And it's allowing Trevor Lawrence to open up the playbook a bit. And so the, the effective use has been quite good. Now, I want to also point out something for fantasy managers you made some great points about Travis ETM some fantasy managers are going to look back and say oh look he went off against Dallas this week everybody needs to understand Leighton Van Der Esch left that game middle linebacker with a neck injury as soon as he came out Dallas basically has past defending linebackers and they had nobody to stop the run etn gouged them after that but he has not been a productive back as you said they're using him wrong that's the primary problem and from a run blocking perspective they're very good at pass blocking but it's not a good run blocking line and losing their left tackle certainly doesn't help here we mentioned earlier quinn and williams full practice probably going to play that is going to be a very very significant issue so mario so it's basically wheels up starting christian kirk evan ingram it's pretty much thumbs down on the outside receivers what would you tell fantasy managers with trevor lawrence is is he like a top 15 ish quarterback a top 12 top 18 what are you seeing here it seems like he has to regress quite a bit from especially the three really good games that he's had in the past month, this 300 yards, three touchdowns kind of thing. Uh, that would be pretty amazing if he could pull it off in this setting. He, he shouldn't need to do that much for the Jaguars to win, but uh, this defense is really good. With Quinn and Williams, it's probably sooner great. So uh, throw in any weather at all, and it's, it's kind of easy to imagine things going wrong. So uh, I will say I don't take Kirk – to be a lock exactly but like if if he if he doesn't get going it it almost necessarily is a really bad game for for Lawrence because uh there's just I, I don't think the Zay Jones thing the Zay Jones thing um was going to keep up anyway and especially not against these two outside corners you know the beauty about Zay Jones last week and I didn't see this coming I recommended against yeah. him and you know I've rostered Zay Jones in a lot of my leagues but I thought last week he'd see at least half his snap on Tron Diggs, and I thought that that would not work well. Well, basically, once they realized that Dalvis was playing Kelvin Joseph and he wasn't covering, they just pretty much got Zay Jones on Joseph, and they just made him the mark, and they just buried yeah. him time and again. So that was really the origin of how they worked. They really sacrificed Marvin Jones off to the other side because they weren't getting much out of him anyway. So we moved to the other side of the ball, Mario, and the Jets, look, the big deal, I'm going to point out again, the Jags defense, Foley Fotokasi's out. He has been a good run defender. I said that earlier. Uh, Trevon Walker's out. And that'll be a little bit of a help for a team that probably wants to run the ball here. They probably don't want to overexpose Zach Wilson and get him going, especially with some wins around 15. Not a great thrower as it is anyway. What are you expecting from the Jets in this matchup? So I would have thought, 
especially earlier this year, if I had known James Robinson was going to be on the Jets roster, I would have figured this would have been a good game for him because it's kind of, you know, sluggish conditions. It, it kind of helps to have some anchor to lean on to. If you're, if you're not running away from anybody and you can't get, like, traction on the field, at least it helps to have someone who can kind of land a bit of a jab in the defense to, 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 to make the act of tackling. And, and Robinson's definitely got a better frame for that than uh, even Zonovan Knight, who should be the starter. And uh, I only mentioned him at all, really, because of uh, they listed him as a full practice participant with a some kind of – I can't remember if it was a knee or what, but uh, they listed him as, I think, questionable and with a full practice as his only injury-designated practice uh, of the week. So that would be weird if it was anything going on with him. He should start and be whatever they wanted him to be. But even he's only like 208 or something like that. So he's, he's a small back, not, not a power one at all. So we'll see. Uh, I think – what's going on with James Robinson is he's got a bad knee that they're not really reporting on. They're not putting him on the injury report, but his knee apparently needs to be drained uh, like every week. And that's not good. So um, anyway, it's gotta be Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter again, kind of like even snaps uh, split and um, maybe Carter gets more carries per snap than usual. If only from the jets, not throwing quite as much as usual, but yeah, those two got to carry the offense aside from Garrett Wilson, obviously. So Garrett Wilson has been productive with Zach Wilson. It's just the ceiling's gone. So he's getting like these 15-ish PPR point games as opposed to the upwards of 25 that you're seeing with Mike White. What do you expect the ceiling to be in this game? Uh, so I, I feel like it's a little easier to, to give Trevor Lawrence a bit of a weather pass uh, than Zach Wilson. So I, I'm a little more concerned for the Jets pass catchers losing something with the weather. And when you're talking about a quarterback like Zach Wilson, that's, you know, frightening enough to start with. So it, it's, it's possible that they don't take quite full advantage of the matchup, but the matchup is favorable in terms of the Jaguars defense. Uh, their pass rush had gotten some results this year, but I feel like it was kind of playing over its head a little bit and no Trayvon Walker makes them worse. No uh, Fadakasi makes them worse. So, uh, it seems it seems like it's uh, as long as you don't run it Tyson Campbell, it should be pretty easy to move the ball against this defense. So if Zach Wilson can't move it at all, then you know it, it weather maybe wasn't helping, but I don't think it's an excuse for failing exactly. Now we have a few questions, and we're going to see what we could do because we're covering all sixteen games. This may not work. We do have a Zonovan Knight question. We'll go quickly here. Someone has Zonovan Knight, Rashad White, or AJ Dillon. Which way would you go with that, Mario? Oh man, that's tough. Uh, probably not. Not to, not to just disregard Dylan, but I'm probably not picking him there. And so it's probably between White and uh, and White gets Arizona. I, yeah, that is tough. I definitely think White is a much better prospect than Knight. So I'm kind of tempted to go that way, especially with Arizona's offense uh, about as destroyed as its defense at this point. And then uh, Tia Choa wants to know about starting Kirk. Yes, Pacheco, Swift, ETN, or Kirk, he could play two of uh, two running backs in a flex. So he's sitting one of those, Kirk, ETN, Swift, or Pacheco. Which one are you sitting? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I can't get this question. I, I want to say Kirk over ETN just because I'm so afraid about the matchup for ETN, whereas with Kirk, it's not a good matchup, but it's one of those things. If Trevor gets to 200 yards, I feel like Kirk had to have 80 so um, I love ETN as a player, but I, I worry about this matchup. And uh, who, does, who does Detroit have again? Sorry, uh, they got the kill. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably bench ETN, which uh, 
I never would have thought I would have said that. You know, Mario, Justin Jackson is getting 25% of the snaps two games oh, in a row. What yeah. the heck? Three-man committee. Thank you, Dan Campbell. Merry Christmas. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Okay. I, I, Jim, can I can I throw that to you? Do you have a view on that? Yeah, one? and I'm with you on it. I mean, I think ET, Kirk's ahead of ETN. I just think now adding stinking Justin Jackson into the mix. Okay, fair enough. It, yeah, it's, I, it's, screwing, I, it's screwing Swift over. I was looking for a reason to pick ETN, so uh, that's that's uh, I guess if if I need the courage from something, that'll do it. But yeah, I agree. I, the, the Jackson thing is, um, at the very least, it should be coming from Jamal Williams, I think. But that's a different subject. Yes. All right. So let's go to the next game. We're going to go to the Buffalo Bills against the Chicago Bears again. Now, normally, this is a big weather game, but both teams are cold weather teams. It's going to be four degrees in Chicago, the wind chill minus 15, the winds at 23 miles per hour. So, Buffalo, obviously, from Buffalo, so that's not no shakes for them. Bears home for them, but we have a huge talent disparity between these two teams. Is Buffalo going to need to put it in the air? Is Josh Allen's elbow something they don't want to risk in this? Or are they just going to run him, run the backs? Bears are without Jack Sanborn. Not that he's a big deal, but that was their next man up, a middle linebacker. What do you see here? Man, at the very least, I like. I think I like Chicago to cover this eight and a half. Because uh, this one thing that's that might yeah. not be obvious looking at those details of the weather – this is not the kind of cold you see very often. You go entire NFL seasons without cold yes. anywhere near this bad. It's it's brutal outside. Uh, this is I think we're both getting hit with the same thing, Jim. And it's uh, the weather, the wind chill is like it, it takes you to zero like the second it gets to you. So uh, neither team is going to be well suited to this kind of cold. I don't think either team is going to be able to throw the ball more than twenty five times. And I know how much B- Buffalo normally tries to throw it. I still don't think they're getting to thirty. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh I, I guess I feel like this cold helps the Bears because it, it doesn't help anybody and the Bills kind of have more to lose. Yes. Uh, so I think I think David Montgomery might actually play up a little bit in conditions like this. So uh, it's a game where the Bills have to be careful, I think. And it's if it's reduced to just a wishbone game of like Josh Allen and Devin Singletary versus Justin Fields and David Montgomery, that's actually pretty dangerous for the Bills, I think. But uh, I don't know. I I, I think. The, the Bills get the win. Uh, I think the Bears cover, but the Bills get the win because they can make a throw. You know, and not to say Fields can't make it. It's just with with his receivers being as they are. Uh, I don't think the Bears can throw it all at, in many conditions. And uh, at least Allen, like maybe he can't get the volume that he normally does, but he just needs to do enough more than what the Bears do. And and you know, making completing. Uh, I don't know. Let's say. 16 of 25 passes that should be enough now the bears are a top three run blocking line they have been phenomenal all year pass blocking obviously not to that level but they haven't been bad it's been a better line than we thought and look like you said montgomery's gonna be running justin fields is certainly gonna be running khalil herbert is expected back now i feel montgomery is not gonna see a scale down rolling here's why when Herbert was playing, Montgomery was about 70-ish percent of the snap, 65-70. When Herbert was out, there was only one game Montgomery went above that. They were letting the backup backs take those same numbers of snap Herbert was. Now, Herbert was killing it on limited snaps, so he should continue to do really well if given that role. But Montgomery should see a pretty stable workload. Is Herbert startable as a flex in 12-team leagues this week? Ooh, uh, I, I would say it's there's maybe 
people who are stuck in that position and if so it's you know you do what you can but it's it's not a good situation i don't think to to be in no boom bust i'm saying i'm calling a boom bust desperation flex because we've seen if he gets seven or eight carries he could break one and buffalo has not been good against the run they really right. are scuffling these days so again if this game is really relegated to ground and pound we could see a lot of run rushing up but again desperation flex montgomery's a strong play this week right mario yeah, now you, you, the thing you pointed out about Herbert, it got me thinking a little bit too. I'm pretty sure normally their their plan is actually very verbatim, one out of every three drives. It's, it's Montgomery plays two, Herbert plays the third. Yes. So um, if they're running even more than usual, then uh, obviously if it, it, it's still going to be the the two to one system probably, but uh, you might see just Herbert get toward that you know, 12 carry kind of yes. mark, which, which is kind of the sweet spot for him. So yeah, I, uh, I was maybe a little too pessimistic describing it initially, but yeah, I agree. Uh, Montgomery, uh, unless Josh Allen puts forth a production that has basically never been seen in conditions like these, Montgomery should pretty easily get the 15 carries, I think. 100%. Now the other side of the ball, when we're talking about the bills, I get, questions every week about James Cook. His snaps have stabilized the last three weeks. We've seen 43%, 41, and 36. It's the workload that's been not consistent. 14 touches, five, seven. The last two, we don't like that five and at seven. Devin Singletary obviously has seen his snaps slashed 44%, 49, and 60 over the last three weeks. And his touches, the ceiling of those touches has come down. 13, 9, and 16 over the last three games. And then here's his last three game yardage, combined yardage. 51, 43, and 70. That's not cutting it. He does have a touchdown in there, which helps. What do you, how do you handicap Cook and Singletary for those who might consider them this week? Well, uh, it, the, the, the weather circumstances, I think, means both get more work than usual. So I think this could be a game where both Singletary and Cook investors are pretty content um mainly because the bills i think are going to throw that much less and it, it should be a pretty direct transfer of, of that usage to those two uh at least since heinz hasn't done anything if heinz keeps playing two snaps then it, it, it almost necessarily goes to singletary and cook uh or it doesn't go anywhere so it's those two possibilities and in each case of singletary and cook you can only scale it up so much i think especially with cook um Singletary's playing time has gone down, but he can play more snaps in a game than Cook can, I think, or at least over over any significant sample. That's the case. One game, you know, last game of the year, it's like, yeah, they, they could put James Cook out there for 55 snaps if it's the last game of the year, but he's not playing for the next two weeks if you do that. So they, they got to keep Cook under something like 12 carries, uh, 35 snaps, something like that. And, and Singletary, he might not go much higher than that, but he shouldn't be much lower than that either. Got a quick question here that's relative to what we just talked about, David Montgomery. Question is, pick one for the flex. Montgomery, Connor is playing against Tampa Tampa Bay at home in Arizona. And then Mike Evans, same game at Arizona. Which one do you use for a flex? Or Montgomery is the third. Oh, man, this is tough. I, I really, really, really hate. I'm one of those people who remembers like the, the offseason and preseason ADPs, and I hate having to – consider benching a player like Evans, uh, especially because I think he's still playing really well. But I think I would go with Montgomery, especially after – at least given what I said about me thinking the Bears might cover that eight and a half, it's like I, I can't believe that unless I think the answer to this is Montgomery. 
And before we move to the next game, any viewers out there were very happy you're here. We're going to try to get through 16 games. If I happen to see a question at, at that time relevant to the game, we'll answer it. If we don't get to it, you can always hit us up on Twitter and we'll be happy to answer. But we got to get the show done in some semblance of some realistic time frame because Mario and I could talk a lot. We're <laughs> a lot of good stuff about football. Next game, Seattle at Kansas City. Now, this isn't quite the extreme weather of the other games, but it's still significant. Now, Kansas City comes in 11 and three. They're still trying to fight for that number one seed. Seattle is seven and seven, battling their lives for a playoff spot. It's going to be six degrees in Kansas City, 12 mile an hour winds. So the wind chill will be below zero. The winds won't be to the point where it's, you know, we think over 15 is typically negative for the passing game, but it's in that range. Tyler Lockett is out with the broken finger repair. So Marquise Goodwin should step into an elevated snap share here. And otherwise, what's your outlook on Seattle as they face this Chiefs defense, Mario? Doesn't seem good. Uh, they're getting hit with some, maybe you'd say, regression the past couple of weeks anyway. And uh, that kind of stuff just happens over the course of the year. I don't think it means that like Gino was ever a fraud or anything. It's just like sometimes uh, you get bad luck for a little bit or people figure, figure you out a little bit at an inopportune time of the year and you figure it out, but maybe not as quickly as you want to. Uh, so that's just kind of, I think, their general point in the year, their, their trajectories kind of, of of that sort. And it's, which is to say a struggle anyway. And it's going against the Chiefs, dealing with weather like this. Uh, Kenneth Walker uh, not practicing so far in the week. Um, it's it's pretty brutal, I think. And uh, don't get me wrong, I I don't think Mahomes is going to do much in cold like this. This is this is a lot like uh, the Chicago case that you just don't find games where where teams throw the ball well under ten degrees. It just doesn't. Small samples, yes, but uh, the ball gets so heavy and everything just hurts like hell. It's it's just about impossible to play. So uh, they're they're going to have to run more than usual, or at least they're just they're just not going to throw as much throw for as much as usual and um i don't know what the exact result of that would be but no locket uh fant missing practice it's it's a really bad game to be walking into hurt yeah that's that's something you could say if nothing else like the the, the this is just the last place on earth that the seahawks want to go right now and like i said a frozen football that is what we're going to be dealing with here now quick question on geno smith he's normally a lock for two touchdowns a game aside when he plays the 49ers is he get, is there any chance he gets two here? Yeah, there's there's a chance, and don't get me wrong. If a team's throwing the ball forty times, I'm not I'm not saying like the last uh, that they're going to average like three yards a pass or something. It's just that when you uh, if, if Geno's averaging seven point six yards per pass and he's completing sixty seven percent of his passes, and he can do that over a forty pass attempt sample in a given game normally, then in this game he's going to be completing like fifty seven percent of his passes for like six point two yards per attempt something like that. So if he throws enough passes, then uh, he can get to the end zone. Eventually it's just going to, I think it's going to take a lot of passes or it's going to take uh, a big play from uh, the defense, probably a busted coverage, or I guess DK Metcalf just outrunning somebody. Uh, so I will say those corners, uh, the more they have uh, Metcalf run outside, the more he should see the corners that are the rookies, uh, especially since yes. Snead tends to play the the slot. So uh, especially if they could get a couple garbage time or just uh, you know rookie slips up, can't slip up, can't slip up against you know four three three two twenty eight or whatever Metcalf is. So uh, that's how Gino would get two touchdowns. I just think um, if if the yardage 
is not much lower than usual. It's because they threw a lot of passes, which which is also a little difficult for me to imagine. And then last question, I'm getting a lot of people asking me about Marquise Goodwin as a flex this week. He's gonna he's been doing well in a th- number three role. Obviously, his targets would go up a bit. He's saying if they throw 40 times and they're trailing, I am advocating him as a flex option this week. I could see him coming out of this game with 50 yards, maybe 60 yards if it breaks well for him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's done a good job all year. He's he's been a huge upgrade over the whatever Freddie Swain type they've had yes. the past few years. And, um, you know, maybe he can't be a starter all year and these conditions really don't suit him. But Marquise Goodwin is still really fast. And it's like if, if some guy trying to tackle him just misses a little bit, he can score from long range, even in limited usage. You know, on the Chiefs side of the ball, Juju Smith-Schuster, he had that period with the concussion where he got knocked out, then he came back, got eased back. But when we take those few weeks before and the last couple weeks, he has been pretty steadily, 8 to 12 targets, 8 to 10 catches, in the 90-ish yard range, 80-yard range. He's he's been very solid. Um, What are your thoughts about players on the Chiefs side of the ball in this game? Yeah, like you said, Judas Schuster's been good. I know he hasn't had uh, like the memorable outings that people might have hoped for. They might have people who invested in him this year might have hoped for vintage Pittsburgh. You know, first two years in Pittsburgh, Judas Smith-Schuster, and he hasn't had any big blowups that would resemble those days. But his peripheral numbers are actually extremely good. I mean, 92 targets on 610 snaps—that's a high rate, low depth of target, granted, but that assures a high catch rate. Right. Uh, with the Pat Mahomes offense, you're always going to be eligible for touchdowns. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a bit of like a touchdown spree to end the year. So uh, there's nothing about the matchup that's obviously good. But uh, I will say a guy like Tariq Woolen probably is at his best on the sideline going vertically. So Juju can't do either of those things. Nope. Or he, he can't go vertical anyway. So he's going laterally. Uh, that's probably the last thing Woolen wants to do. Uh, also, the cold bringing the ball down, making it heavier, makes the quarterback tend to throw shorter passes anyway. So Juju could get like, uh, you know, 35% target share in this game and do well with it. I think the one chief I'm not excited about, not that I'd be in many weeks, is Valtas Scantling. I don't know that this is going to be the downfield passing with the frozen ball. I think the guys who are the runners, you've got Pacheco McKinnon, you've got you got obviously Travis Kelsey in a great matchup, you've got Juju. I think you're playing those Chiefs as normal. I think any ancillary ones, I am probably leaning toward sitting instead of starting. Any final word on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Valtas Scantling could run past someone and, and you know be wide open and run for a touchdown, but it's like Even if he gets that play, that might be the only play he gets in a game like this. All right, let's move to Detroit at Carolina. Detroit comes in 7-7. and They are really badly getting a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, They have a decent chance. And then Carolina's 5-9, and and they have a chance to make the playoffs because nobody can win in the NFC South. The Detroit Lions are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Does not sound like much. They've been favorites at Minnesota. They're dogs at Carolina. Find that a little bit interesting. Now, this game, 22 degrees. 11 mile per hour wind. I when I saw an NFL weather, the wind chill 15, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how you go 22 with 11 mile per hour winds. It sounds like it should be less, but that's what it's reporting. So that's what we're going with. Uh, Mario, in this game, mentioned earlier, but now that we're here, in the last two games, DeAndre Swift has seen 36 and 40% of the snaps, Jamal Williams, 37 and 31%. 
Justin Jackson, 29 and 32. This is a three-man committee. Now, the touches are a little different. Williams does lead. It's mostly carries with him, 16 and 13. So it's been pretty stable, but there haven't been red zone options lately. Swift has seen nine and 13 touches. And Jackson just killing us five and seven, just ripping out upside from the other running backs. Jared Goff has been great at home, terrible on the road, zero or one touchdown pass in every road game this year. And DJ Chark was doing very well. We both talked about this. We knew against Sauce Gardner, he would just be eliminated and he kind of was, but otherwise he's been playing very well. Thoughts on the Detroit side of the ball, Mario. Yeah, this looks like it has to be a pretty ugly game. I mean, I don't know how uh, the explosive element, unless it's DeAndre Swift running for a long play, I don't know how Detroit gets any explosiveness on offense. Uh, I guess with speed like Jamison Williams and DJ Chark, there's the chance of like the busted coverage, especially off of the play action. But I guess I should say at least volume level production for anyone aside from Avon Ra just doesn't seem possible, you know, let alone likely to me. So uh, I feel like the Detroit defense needs to step up a little bit more than they have been in their other wins. Uh, maybe they can do that. I have no idea what to make of this Carolina offense. It's no. I can't tell if they mean to do much in particular or if they're just sort of uh, trying to run out the clock on their own year kind of thing. Uh, I think the, the the Carolina run game might be pretty good here. I think that, yes. I mean, if, if, it, if Carolina doesn't run, it's, it seems like they're not going to throw much. Uh, even though more and I think Marshall has, has shown some stuff this year too. Uh, I, w- I will say uh, those, those outside corners for the lions, Jacobs and Akuda, they can't run with either of those guys. They can't run with Marshall or more for very long. So there could be something there for Carolina. It's just, um, I don't know if the intention is there. We might get this thing where it's like, you know, 35 carries every week gets split up between Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. And they kind of just uh, bleed out the clock and, uh, I don't know that 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 does seem to me like a dangerous kind of game flow for the Lions because if they get on the wrong side of the the flow of the game they're not going to be able to throw their way out of it. And Mario, we get a lot of questions about Foreman and Chubbard this and Hubbard this week. And I like that actually. Yeah, Chubbard. I call him Chubbard. That's his new name. We're called Chubbard. <laughs> So, all right. So when we're looking at this backfield, I think it's been fairly predictable for Foreman. When they are at an advantage, he is going to be the hammer. He's going to lead in carries. He's going to post good yardage. But in any game script that doesn't quite go to form, he's a tough start. And we've seen his snaps here. The the game scripts haven't been great in the last two. He went from 53% of the snaps in a good game script and then down to 47 and then 30% in a very negative one last week. And then we've seen his yards go commensurately, 113, 75, and then 90 against Pittsburgh where the game script just didn't work. Chuba Hubbard's been fairly reliable. His touches in the last three, 17, 17, and a seven. But um, we've seen his yards, though. 65, 99, 67, he's seeing targets, and that's been important. And so he's had a nice baseline of work as the change of pace guy who actually could see heavier work in negative game script. Which of these guys are you starting, if not both, this week? Yeah, the I guess the Blackshear playing time variable could sway a lot of it, too, because week 14, mm-hmm. Chuba only played 23 snaps. Blackshear played 14 last week. Uh, Blackshear played only two. Right. So even though Deontay Foreman only played, uh, sorry, Deontay Foreman only played 13 snaps for the game flow reasons that you mentioned, uh, Hubbard got to 27 in that game. So if particularly if it hadn't been just a 42 snap game, 
from the that which is insanely low. It, I, I can't imagine that happened more than like five times this year. Uh, 42 snaps by an offense. That's normally going to be more like uh, at least 58, 60, something like that. So it's there's a chance that uh, with the passing down snaps to himself, that Hubbard in effect is the starter just because he only needs to be, you know, five carries within Foreman to uh, uh, outpace him in terms of overall from scrimmage opportunity. So would you start Foreman as a running back two in this specific matchup with the Lions, thinking there's a good chance it's closer out? And Hubbard is more of a high-end flex because of the volatility if the game script doesn't go his way? I think I might put Hubbard a little ahead of Foreman and just call them both flex plays. I don't know. Because we we got a 17-carry game in Week 12, a a 14-carry game in Week uh, 14. Only four carries last week because they never ran at all. So uh, if they get to, like, 60 snaps, Hubbard should go over 12 carries, and he's done well as a pass catcher. I, I was a bit low on him as a prospect going into yes. this year, but he's done a good job, to be fair. All right, let's go to our next game. We'll go to the Cincinnati Bengals 10-4 and against the New, Eng- New England Patriots 7-7. Seven and seven. We've got Jacoby Myers throwing the ball to <laughs> – Oh my gosh, Chandler Jones. Wow. Anyway, that's the way that one ended. I'm just glad Stevenson didn't throw the second pass. He threw the first one because he may not be playing this week. But um, I, you know, Belichick and his history of benching running backs, but he should be safe there. Anyway, in this game, now this game, New England, 17 degrees, 14 miles an hour wind. Single-digit wind chill. So we have another very, very cold game here. Uh, New England is without their right tackle. Isaiah Wynn will be waiting, obviously, for more injury news as the day goes on today. But right now, that's kind of what I have. What are your thoughts on the Cincinnati side of the ball against his Patriot defense? Yeah, I don't like the weather, but there's – there's that once like a little risk here for the for the Bengals offense. They need to be careful. Uh, kind of like with Tampa Bay, it was like they they kind of got out to a rough start and got things in line eventually, but they they got themselves in a little trouble. They can get themselves in a little trouble here. Uh, I just I just think that you know the Patriots maybe maybe there's maybe there's a little something about uh, Foxborough that gets them going a bit more. I don't know, um, but it it just it's never a place that you want to go in just like without without some level of caution and and if burrow gets too reckless and sloppy that this is a place where things tend to go a little more wrong for you uh with that said these corners should not be able to defend these receivers correct heavy 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 ball or not uh joe burrow should (laughs) joe burrow should get the ball to these guys even if he can only work within the first 12 yards uh higgins is way too big in particular all these five foot eight five foot nine corners because it looks like Jalen Mills is still out. And even if he wasn't, Mills is not that good. So even Chase is huge compared to these corners. And uh, I, I say, uh, you know, lean on P. Ryan a little bit more in the cold. That should do the trick. Yeah, this should be an opportunity for him to hammer them. I don't think the weather is a, an oppressive factor. It's not quite as cold as some of these other venues. It's certainly cold. But Cincinnati's not like from a warm climate anyway. So at least that helps them a bit to be somewhat used to that. Yeah. Now, the other side of the ball, Mario. So New England's coming in right now, and you know the passing game is struggling. And this is probably not a good defense to have a struggling passing attack against. And they're also with DJ Reader. He, when he is healthy, which he's been, he is a game wrecker against the run. This makes it a very tough matchup for Ramondre Stevenson. What are your thoughts on this matchup for the New England offense? 
Yeah, it is a concerning matchup for, for Stevenson. I guess you still like him a lot for the usage that he gets. Uh, I guess if Damian Harris is back, that, that maybe there could be some slight amount of concern there. But I still think Stevenson plays like two-thirds of their snaps or more. So uh, should be fine. But like you said, the, the prospects of like a big play game from Stevenson – doesn't seem likely to me. He's going to probably have to grind out whatever he gets. Uh, the, also, the, the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati, Lou Anarumo, I think yeah. has done a really good job quietly. Yeah, he really has. I mean, he really got that notoriety in the, in the NFL playoffs last year, and he just continues to make exceptional halftime adjustments. Did it again with the Pat- uh, I mean, uh, Tom Brady game last week with uh, the yeah. Bucs. I keep saying the Patriots of Brady. I can never break that mold. 20 years of history there. But they were really great because in the first half, the Bucs looked like vintage bucks and then yeah. in the second half it was over they were they, they went in that eight man drop and brady was screwed there was nobody there and then he started making mistakes and it just circled out of control so you're right luana rumo phenomenal job this is not nearly as challenging of a matchup for him no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports advantage platform available today play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes download the app choose a contest select your player props earn points for correct picks and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week you can also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit all your picks Bet on a player up to five prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with the promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at NoHouseAdvantage.com or Download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but it's also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Mario, please. We are breaking down the slate for everybody for week 16. I know there are some questions coming in. We are covering all 16 games. So if we don't ultimately get to your question, you can hit Mario or up or I up on Twitter. Mario is at the posting scout. I'm at Jim Coventry NFL. We will see what we can do in terms of questions, but we are about a third of the way through the games here. Mario, we are going to break down the Giants at the Vikings. The Giants 8-5 and 1. The Vikings 11 and 3 coming off the biggest comeback in NFL history. What are your thoughts about the Giants side facing a Vikings defense that's excellent against the run, struggle in play, covering play action passes, struggle against the, the pass in general? They do have a decent pass rush. What are your thoughts, sir? It's tough to think through. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you like the Vikings to come out ahead somehow, but these are two teams who are both kind of overachieving. Uh, I would say actually the the Vikings have more so just been very lucky at a lot of points, whereas the Giants, they kind of they've got the same luck as everybody. They just kind of play better than they have any business doing. So I, I think it's a little bit dangerous for the Vikings, even though they they should clean up here. And if, if I assume Adoree Jackson is still out. So uh, good luck with dealing with Justin Jefferson and uh, I mean, anybody really in that any of the Vikings receivers. Um I know KJ Osborne had a really big correction to his stats last week, and he still has bad numbers on the year, but he might be able to keep improving them in this one too, because it's the giants just don't have the, the cover personnel. So uh, I guess for the, if I'm, if I'm thinking of how the giants could win, it's like they'd need to uh, probably find a way to run maybe with Daniel Jones. Maybe they, maybe they can shake something loose with that, but Vikings would have to really stumble here. And, and maybe they do after, you know, playing playing a emotional roller coaster like last week. I, f- I forgot to look at the snap counts that they played. If they if any if their defense had to play like eighty snaps or something weird, that can bring kind of like a hangover game. So uh, that's the stuff they got to worry about. But matchup wise, I mean, Minnesota has pretty much everything in their favor. I mean, I don't know. Matt and Ryan was doing a bunch of three and outs in that game, so there may not have been as many snaps as we thought. It was Fair horrible. Enough, Woo. Anyway, so other side. Um, first of all, Darius Slayton. I'll point him out for a moment. So. 
He finally had two lower games, two catches for 42 yards and three targets, five catches for 23. He had been making a big play almost every game for like six or seven weeks. Uh, do you view Slayton as a um, wide receiver three type, a flex type, or a non-starter? Uh, for me, I'm higher on Slayton than most people. I, th- I think he's plainly a good starter. Uh, even if he's a little limited, it's like his strengths are so clear that he he's worth whatever deficiencies he has. So for me, against these slow corners, he's, I should say, like flex probably rather than wide receiver three. But I, I think he's fine as a wide receiver three, honestly. Yeah, and you know, the year that Slayton had the good, I was the rookie year. I mean, I really, when I watched him, I liked what I saw. And I was aggressive with him in fantasy the following year drafting. And obviously that went nowhere because the Giants didn't see something. But I think we see what, they finally took years to figure out the kid can play. There's no question. He's always about been it. pretty good. He just had like like Daniel Jones got hurt and like fell off a bunch, and then a new coaching regime showed up and thought David Sills was better. And uh, credit to Dable, he he only he only did that for about a month and and retracted it. But yeah, that was even I was kind of like, wow, I guess Slayton's never happening. And then then he comes back on us in the past couple of months. So that's been that's been good to see because I, I definitely think he deserves to start. Now, Mario, very quickly on Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley has had a lot of stack box against him. He was able to overcome the defense of the Washington Commanders, but he has mostly struggled the last month. Minnesota is one of the better run defenses in the league. How do you handicap Barkley in this game? Uh, It's uh, kind of a cop-out response, I guess, but I think it's at once – not a great matchup and also not one worth changing his projection much. I mean, we, we know Barkley in this offense is kind of dependent on usage and the big play to get his really big numbers. And the way he makes a big play is just by being usually like a freakish athlete. I mean, it's never, it's never because the, the offense did such a great job blocking space for him that one time. It's like, that will never happen. He, he makes it happen from just kind of like fluky occurrences. So I view Barkley about the same no matter what the defense is. You know, it's like the Vikings are good against the run. Every game is hard for him, even against bad defenses. So this just doesn't change anything. Right, because defenses do not respect Daniel Jones. They're going to say, beat us. If you want to beat us, we can live with that. We're not yeah. going to live with Barkley beating us. And that's been the play to Barkley. Nothing to do with his talent. It's just been – and you've heard me mention this, Mario. Since week six this year, I've really noticed teams are game planning the way it only used to be in the NFL playoffs, completely selling out. It used to be just Belichick. Now it's a lot of teams doing this. All right, the other side of the ball, Minnesota Vikings. So you mentioned Darius Slayton earlier. He had the massive 150-yard game last week. He has three double-digit PPR point games this year, two against the Lions, and then last week. On the season before last week, he was averaging 25 yards a game so and three catches. So just for reference, that's who he's been most of the year, done well against Minnesota, uh, the, the Lions, and then obviously last week's crazy game. Uh, people are asking start-sit questions. I'm saying – throw last week's game out. It was an outlier. Treat him as he was. He is a desperation at best flex. Anything on that? I agree. I think this matchup is about as easy as it can get, but uh, I also think Osborne uh, yeah, in over his head as as a three-down player. Any word on what your thoughts on Dalvin Cook? He had a great game last week. He's had opportunity. He hasn't been the explosive guy consistently. We saw a little last week. He hasn't been consistently explosive. Um, Is he a a great play this week or just a decent play this week? I think he's a pretty great play. I mean, he's he's definitely got that takeover ability in any game uh, where, where, you know, 
he might not be your top three for running backs, but he's definitely in your top three for like a, a running back who could go over 200 yards running in a given game. So uh, the Giants could try to sell out against the run, and then that could make things a little harder on him. But I guess I'd be surprised if they did that because they're going to need to keep at least one extra coverage rolled toward Justin Jefferson at all times, and they might need to keep another one on the other side because their backup uh, corners just aren't any good. All right, before we move to the next game, we just had a couple comments. I'm going to point out a couple things. Somebody talked about Jared Goff this week. Just remember Jared Goff. He's been very good at home this year. He has zero or one touchdown pass in every road game. He has not been a good cold-weather quarterback. He's going to be in single-digit uh, wind chill in Carolina this week. Personally, I don't think Jared Goff is a ceiling play. He might have a decent floor. St. Brown might help him there. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, we might talk about that later. Uh, people have brought up him in a lot of quarterback streaming. I love Aaron Rodgers this week. They're playing Miami. Miami is not great against the pass. They're strong against the run. They don't disguise their blitzes. They, when you know it's coming, Aaron Rodgers will be able to read that. He can take advantage of the secondary. I think there'll be some play action. Uh, we'll talk about this game later, Mario. But do you see Rodgers as a good option this week if people are down a quarterback? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if anything, you'd almost wonder if there's more people who have Rodgers as a backup at this point who are wondering, maybe I should start him. Because uh, I, I can't imagine a, a matchup, especially for, for a slate with so many quarterbacks going into brutal cold weather. Uh, Rodgers might be more like a top six kind of quarterback yes. to me this week. Yeah, I have him very high in my rankings. Let's move to our next game. Uh, we'll be excited to talk about this one. The Houston Texans, 1-12 against the Tennessee Titans, 7-7, seven and, seven and trying to hang on to the AFC South. Now, this game in Tennessee, 12 degrees, 11-mile-an-hour winds, zero-degree wind chill. Now, good for the Titans because they're going to want to run the ball. The last four times Derrick Henry has faced his defense, he's gone for at least 211 rushing yards and at least two rushing touchdowns. Now, Houston lately has done better against the lead running backs. They're selling out to stop it, and they've done a little bit better. But that said, let's start with the Tennessee side here. I know they're the home team. Is Henry going to continue that trend, or is it going to be a little less than we've seen? Well, it seems like his offensive line is pretty beat up in addition to the Tannehill injury, and I don't know what to – that might be kind of like no big deal, but it might also matter, and I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth trying to think it through. Uh, the, the Titans should take care of this at some point in the game. It's just like – if it's one of those things like if Derrick Henry had suitable, like truly favorable conditions to the whole game – you could imagine him being in over 100 yards in the first quarter, whereas if if it's a more of a slog, he might need to get to that 18, 20 carry mark before he really starts to kind of take effect on the defense and then breaks loose a little bit. Uh, but that would take time, and it's – I mean, as, as much as these conditions make it tougher to tackle a player like Derrick Henry, it's not exactly good for him either to be no. going with over 30 carries or something. So the Titans should – yeah, they're, they're probably going to have to give Henry at least 18 carries, 20 carries probably, but they should try to really tie it up in the process. They should really try to make sure they don't need to give him much more than that. Although if they do need him to do more, they've shown many times they have no, uh, they have no problems with doing that. Now, as of my last time I checked, Tannehill is not officially out, but we're probably seeing Malik Willis. Are there any receivers or tight ends that are worth playing in this game? 
Man, I wish I could say Okonkwo, but uh, I don't know if we can put Willis down for like 120 yards passing. I so uh, I will say Willis could have a lot to do with the Titans winning this game as a runner. If, if they really are selling out between the tackles to get Henry, that's Willis hasn't done anything yet. I know that, but he's one of the five players you'd least like to see holding the ball off the bootleg. Now, the other side of the ball, the Texans, look, Brandon Cooks is practicing. Who knows if he's active? It just sounds like there's so many problems there. Nico Collins isn't going to play. Damian Pierce is on the IR. They're still talking about rotating the quarterbacks, although Driscoll was lightly involved last week. Uh, anything on the Houston side for fantasy? Uh, I mean, that there could be some usage. that they got to run probably at least 40 plays has to go somewhere and, and comically their, their running backs can't really do any of it. So uh, they, they're almost encouraged to pass. Uh, if they throw the ball 30 times, I guess Chris Moore could get eight or more of those. If, if cooks is out and cooks could get eight of those himself. But uh, yeah, the cooks thing, I have no idea. It, it's such a strange situation. I, I don't know what to count on with that. All right. The next game we're going to talk about is the New Orleans Saints at the Cleveland Browns. This is the weather game of the weekend. Eight degrees, 27 mile per hour winds projected throughout, minus 15 wind chill, playing it in Cleveland. Now, when we go into this game, New Orleans is not the great run defense they were. They're pretty much average. They're decent against it. Cleveland clearly wants to come out and run the ball. New Orleans, on the other hand, it's a good matchup for them. Cleveland struggles against the run. Elvin Kamara could see a lot of usage here. How do you see New Orleans approaching this game, and how do you think they'll shake out offensively? Seems like it'd be a good uh, run-heavy game for them. I mean, uh, conditions encouraging that, certainly. But also, the, the Browns are just easier to run on than throw on. So, uh, I don't know. I think Chris Olave and even Rashid Shaheed. Rashid Shahid, maybe he's not going to ever be like a volume receiver option, but he might be a starter. Like he really might be a viable, like deep route kind of yep. starter. Um, he's, he's really doing a good job. And if you don't cover him well, he, he can definitely hurt a defense and end on light usage too. So um, he can make an impact. A lot of it can make the big play too. I know he's been more of like a workhorse uh, this year, but he can make a big play. So those guys, those guys are dangerous. And uh, I, I think you can, you can, strip down the Cleve, uh, the the New Orleans offense to like 20 pass attempts and and feature those two and Juwan uh Juwan Johnson just enough uh that you're not like pushing your luck too much and you're and you're giving yourself the, the best opportunities to be explosive through selective usage but yeah Taysom Hill uh and uh Kamara yeah Kamara should get something like 15 carries I don't know how much I don't know if he's really ready for cold like this either, but uh, I guess no one will be. And David Johnson, you know, Benjamin, they're not, they're not really bruisers either. So uh, Taysom Hill might be their bruiser. Yes. And uh, they, yes. they might need to do a lot of that kind of running. You know, somebody asked me a tight end question, and I know Taysom Hill qualifies, and I normally will say no. This week I said yes. I said in this game, Cleveland run defense is terrible. Hill's going to be a part of that game plan. I imagine they're going to run. Uh, just very quick, Rashid Shahid is out yardaged. Uh, Chris Olave aggregate the last three weeks, but in two of those weeks. Shahid's at 53, 75, and 95 yards. He's also scored once, whereas Olave's been steady, 62, 65, and 53. Now, Olave's getting the six targets a game. Shahid is doing his damage, like you said, Mario, three to four targets a game. So he's been very efficient getting open downfield. Jarvis Landry looks done. 
four catches for 34 yards over his last three games. I, I There's no reason to hang on to him on a roster I can't see unless you're in a super deep league. If you're in a 16-team league, you clearly might need him, maybe 14-team league. But realistically, nothing going on. Juwan Johnson's been getting it done in his last – other than the game where San Francisco – understandably blanked him his other four recent games between 42 and 67 yards scoring in every game. He's been a real deal in the win. Can we count on Jawan Johnson's a big, big heavy win game? Uh, it would be Olave and, and uh, Shahid who suffer more for the wind. Like Juwan Johnson might actually have something to gain. Yes. If the wind keeps the depth of target lower then some targets might go to him that used to go to the receivers downfield. Now, the Cleveland side of the ball. So, like I said earlier, New Orleans is not the juggernaut against the run they were. They're good. They're not great. And they're not at home, which makes a difference as well. How does Cleveland approach this game, and how do you see it shaking out? Well, I don't know what to make of the Nick Chubb foot issue, but uh, he's apparently off the injury report. Yes. That's, uh, the league really needs to clean up the injury reporting protocols. Like, how are you going to say this guy didn't practice two days and, and also is not hurt? Um, I don't know. I, anyway, he, hopefully he's all right to go. The, this weather won't be easy on the foot if it is hurt. And uh, Kareem Hunt might need to do a little more than usual. Um, I worry about, I mean, I don't know what to make of the Cleveland passing game. I know Watson's going to probably get back into full form at some point. I don't know if this game really suits him even at his best. I mean, he was great quarterback uh i mean wasn't great wherever he is probably but he's he's done most of his career accomplishments in the south and in domes so uh cleveland might not really suit him that much they might not be able to air it out a whole lot uh in a lot of cases this time of the year and if, if this is so much colder than usual um it's pretty much i don't know uh chubb yes hunt maybe and uh i can't tell if there's room for two receivers or if it's more like uh Whoever gets the big play at receiver makes it work. I don't know. But Donovan Peoples-Jones definitely um, is good enough now that defenses can't quite sell out against Cooper like they might want to. Yeah, that's going to be exciting for next year uh, when we're handicapping this receiver group. But right now we'll move to the next game. We're going to move to the Atlanta Falcons 5-9 and nine against the Ravens. Baltimore Ravens 9-5. and five. So Atlanta loves to run the ball. And they've had a very diverse rushing attack this year. The blocking has been phenomenal. Desmond Ritter threw for like 97 yards last week. 70 of those went to Drake London, which was pretty cool. But Atlanta is going to have a really difficult time running at Baltimore against that defense. That is really impressive groups at the beginning of this season and we've said this frequently on our xm show that since roquan smith came in it's allowed other defenders to do their jobs better optimize at defense this is another cold game 14 degrees 16 mile per hour winds so again we're looking at wind chills near near zero here how do you handicap the atlanta offense i don't like it uh desmond ritter it, i mean to be fair he doesn't have much to throw to london getting 70 percent of the yardage uh, but London's going to get a lot of Marlon Humphrey in this game. And when he doesn't get Humphrey, he's going to get Kyle Hamilton. He's probably uh, a pretty good counter to what London presents. So it's it's just it's an unfair setting for London and therefore for Ritter, certainly. And uh, I mean, Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, those guys are bruisers. No defense likes to see those guys too much. But I, I just don't know what else Atlanta has going for them here. So uh, I won't say that the Baltimore side does a whole lot either. It doesn't matter to me whether Lamar Jackson is playing this 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 Roman offense. He won't. Done. He's out. He ain't it's nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. Jackson he, Jackson didn't practice all week, so he's going to be out of this one too. And Caleb Huntley tore his um, Achilles. Oh my bad. 
No, no, no worries. No worries. I just want to point that out. He's having a good year. I know. He's a good yeah, good player. Uh, but, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That Lamar Jackson didn't practice again, so it looks like we're going to see Huntley again at quarterback. So that said, and I know you did make a brief comment, but one I want to focus on here is we know the Ravens are going to come in looking to run. Even though they need to pass the ball and open it up against Atlanta, Atlanta's been a better run defense in the past. They've been a very, very average, solid run defense. How do you expect Dobbins and Edwards to come out of this one? I uh, love both of the players. I just don't know. I just don't know um, how much. Like the Atlanta run defense has been. Uh, when it's determined, when they when they try to like sell out against the run, they've been able to get some things done, even though they're yes. kind of bad. So I, I worry a little bit. I don't want to like write them off. And uh, Dean Pease, I, I don't know what's going on with his health situation. The defensive coordinator for the Falcons. He actually was the defensive coordinator for Baltimore, and he knows the Baltimore the team pretty well so uh he, oh it looks like he's fine to coach this week anyway dean pease might have a surprisingly crafty game plan here even though the falcons are, are a pretty weak defense now the next game is the washington commander seven six and one off of that sunday night loss to the giants playing the 49ers at home we'll have decent weather in the game yay 10 and 4 49ers now brock purdy uh he's two touchdowns in all three games. We've seen some kind of cracks. We've seen some passes that were nearly interceptions. There have been a li- it's been a little less flashy as it's been. And, um, but let's start. So let's start with their side of the ball. Washington is going to bring some pass rush. They are not a good run defense this year. They have fallen off. They're, they're one of the, you know, not the, one of the terrible run defense, but they're not good. And they're better against the pass. How do you think the 49ers approach this game? Uh, it's, it's, um, I guess we'll see what's going on with Debo Samuel, but, uh, him being out would, would obviously change a little bit. Got to get Charvarius Ward cleared from this concussion. Uh, they got, they got Samuel Womack on a concussion injury report too. So that's two corners that, that they got to keep an eye on. They've, they've been hurt there with injuries a lot this year. Um, I, I think, uh, this, this is probably a game that the 49ers want to ground, take to the ground. And, and uh, make it Shanahan's run game versus Scott Turner's run game and the, the respective run defenses, of course, where the 49ers, um, they might be the best run defense in the league when it comes down to it. So uh, this to me seems like a tough setting for Washington because if they can't lean on the ground game, and uh, by the way, I think the 49ers will shut down the, the Washington ground game without yes. hardly even trying to. Correct. So I think uh, they're going to be able to roll some resources at McLaurin uh, Fred Warner is just going to shut down the middle of the field. So that might be Samuel primarily. And, uh, if Heineke's just le- it reduced to a game plan of like in third and long, trying to hero ball it to Terry McLaurin and double coverage over and over. I just don't think that's a winning formula. I see this being a total implosion game for Heineke. This is a terrible yeah. spot for him to be. And we've seen him get some sketchy defenses, get away with some big mistakes that maybe weren't always mistakes. This is a bad, bad setup for him. Uh, so last question I wanted to ask quickly, though. Look, he is going to throw to McLaurin. He always does. And we know the 49ers like are going to roll resource him. So where do you consider McLaurin in terms of starting him for fantasy? Because he's an auto start for most people. Yeah, the matchup's brutal, but he could get 12 targets, especially if the 49ers put up points quickly. Uh, McLaurin could get a lot of usage, so even if he's only, you know, this is a guy who aspires to put up 10, 12 yards a target, he could have a bad game and still get you to like 70, 80 yards. 
And then last quick question. A lot of people are asking me about starting Brock Purdy. Like, I've been telling them to start Minshew over him. That's my opinion. I've been telling definitely Aaron Rodgers is way, 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 way ahead of him. Uh, is Purdy, what kind of a starter is Purdy this week? I would put Minshew over him too. I, I, I just think that the Philadelphia offense has a lot to, to make it easy on a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I like Minshew a little bit, whereas uh, I, I don't – Obviously, the Shanahan system helps Purdy, but I, I just I, – I think um, – I don't know. There's just more questions, I think, with Purdy at this point than with Minshew. So, I go for that re- – and and uh, the 49ers shouldn't have any urgency to throw, I don't think. That's the thing. I think they're going to run more. I think it's a lower-volume game, and so that's where we're going. All right, football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action that you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they got plenty of that too. A monkey knife fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com, and you'll get your first game free. Then use the promo RWNFL to get your first deposit match instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, so Mario and I are going to finish up these games. we got uh, about five or six of them left. And when we do, remember, we might not get to your questions all here today. You can hit us up on Twitter. Mario's at the Posting Scout. I'm at Jim Coventry NFL. We're always excited to help you out as best we can. And also, understand this, Mario and I are on most Saturdays on the SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Channel 87 from 1 to 3. No, it won't be this weekend because there's an NFL slate of games. But we're going to be – we've been signed through – January, it sounds like Mario. So we're in good shape there. All right, let's talk Philadelphia 13 and 1 at the Dallas Cowboys 10 and 4. Jalen Hurts not expected to play. The word is, you know, they won't like it, sounds like they won't officially, but they've unofficially said it a million different ways. So we are going to see Gardner Minshew. Dallas is without Leighton Vanderesh, who hurt his neck. The run defense completely crumbled without him last week. And we know Dallas has been for a while without both Jordan Lewis, the core soccer has been out forever. And then they've also lost Anthony Brown has been out a few weeks. That's been a huge loss. We saw Jacksonville exploit them this week. So Philadelphia with Minshew, what are we looking for them offensively against Dallas? Well, it's going to have to look different because the Eagles, can't run with Minshew anywhere near like they do with Hertz. Like Minshew's probably an above average runner, but uh, Hertz is, you know, top seven or six or something like that. And Minshew's just uh, pretty good at it. So they're going to have to lean on different concepts entirely. I, I guess we'll probably see that. I would, I don't know. I think we might see them try to open the game throwing quite a bit just because there's some concepts that the Eagles have run with success this year that the defense, uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, sorry, I was just trying to think through. Like they're they're, they're gonna they're gonna have some plays that have worked that they they had work in the past that might not work once defenses calibrate it, knowing that they don't have to defend the quarterback run the way they did the first time. So uh, I don't know if that means like they, the Eagles got to take those shots early because they won't be there later. Um, might be something for them to think about. But when they do have to adjust, when whenever the thing that worked with Hurts doesn't with Minshew. I have a lot of faith in uh, Shane Steich and the offensive coordinator making the necessary adjustments and even maybe being ahead of it in the first place, like maybe just knowing before he needs to do it, uh, what he needs to do. So uh, I I have pretty much all the faith in the world in the Eagles offense or as much as I could with them not having hurts. And I I think 
especially for the, the supporting cast players. It, if anything, this might actually help AJ Brown and Devonte Smith a little tiny bit, just because some of those Hertz plays that, that turn into valuable rush attempts could be targets instead. Now, when we talk about this game, is this a smash spot for Miles Sanders with no Leighton Van Der Esch? Uh, it, it might be. I guess, but the smash spots for Sanders are always just when his usage goes up, and sometimes that's not subject to how well he's actually moving the ball. So he could average like seven yards a carry and still finish the game with 12 carries. So that, that's always a risk. But what isn't as much of a risk anyway is these specifically the, the red zone, I guess, touchdowns that Hurts can keep. Minshew's probably not keeping those. So uh, the Eagles could throw the touchdown instead of running it. But if if the rushing production stays more or less similar, then the running backs necessarily picked up a bunch of it. And Sanders definitely would be the you know first, second candidate to do that. So the Dallas offensive attack, they're going to want to come out running. They love to do that. Like you and I both think Philadelphia's going to be able to score some points in this game. If they do, is that forcing Dallas to throw the ball more than usual? How are you expecting Dallas to come out offensively? Huh. Uh, I mean, they'll have to throw more than usual if the Eagles just score more than the Dallas defense is accustomed to conceding. But whether they run more or pass more uh, by choice, I think, would be kind of uh, – depending on what the Eagles give them and what, what the Eagles are giving up. Like if the run game works, they're not going to Dallas is not going to go away from it. But if the run game doesn't work, I don't think they'll necessarily just try to keep making it happen all game. Uh, what they need to do all as much as possible is get CD lamb into the slot. Yes. Uh, dare the Eagles to have slay follow him there. Uh, if they get him against the Maddox with a safety over the top, that's still something especially when you start mixing in play action and other motion details, it's like you can, you can get the, the safety thrown off long enough that it's Maddox versus lamb and lamb wins that. So uh, th- they need to do that. And I think running the ball will help toward that. Like the getting, getting that the safety to cross the wrong way. The play action is, is the easiest way to make that happen. And, and that's probably the easiest way to get lamb a one-on-one with a vulnerable target. Cause if lamb doesn't go, I, I don't know what does in this off uh, this passing game anyway. Uh, I guess the, the tight ends could get going, whether it's Schultz or Hendershot or Ferguson who gets the target. I think they're all uh, equal players to me pretty much. Uh, but I don't know how you guess which one. And uh, Right. Yeah, right. those outside receivers aren't getting much done. No, that's not going to be a good game for them. And um, they're still without safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's still oh, down, right. which that helps. That certainly helps the middle of the field, like you said, for the Dallas Cowboys. But you're right. The whole key for Dallas is getting Lamb in the middle of the field. They're going to need to focus on him. And if they do, that certainly helps them a bit. Let's talk Raiders-Steelers. So the Raiders, 6-8. and eight, The Steelers, 6-8. and eight. Uh, Looks like the postseason dreams are about over for these teams. And also, it's going to be 11 degrees, 15-mile-per-hour wins, and another negative wind chill game uh how, how do you shake out the Raiders on offense here against the Steelers how do you think they'll approach this one they're gonna have to run it with uh Jacobs and I, I don't know how to bet against him the year he's having it seems like it's got to be due to Devontae Adams it's like there's something about the way defenses fundamentally approach Devontae Adams that concedes something that Jacobs is just capitalizing on over and over and over and there's no reason for that to change because the defense would still rather lose by Jacobs than by Adams because the second one's a lot faster. So um, the usage has to be there for Jacobs. I don't know what to think as far as, you know, the, the matchup and the coaching matchup, especially like 
I, I like I, I trust Josh Jacobs to beat the the Pittsburgh defense in a personnel sense, but I could also I also get a little worried about Mike Tomlin having some kind of thing up his sleeve that just kind of wipes out the Raiders, and especially if it comes to, if it comes down to just like a mindset thing, like Tomlin can kind of just you know make you want to quit when you're the other team. So um, I don't know. I, I I pick the Steelers to to win somehow. It's just it'll have to be ugly, and I I don't really even want to think about it. No, not so. Now, quick question. I'm getting Darren Waller questions. I did advocate starting him last week. He didn't he only played half of the snaps, but he did cash in 348 in a touchdown. Are you advocating starting him as usual, even though his snaps still may be on his way working back? Uh, at least just for for how weak the tight end options often are. Otherwise, I would say usually you probably want to start Waller if you have him. Pittsburgh, are they going to lean on their running game, or are they going to – try to throw the ball and take their chances. They should just run like a wishbone kind of thing with huh. Chubisky. Uh, they, they should not even try passing hardly, or, you know, not, not to anyone other than Pickens, Fryermuth, and uh, Deontay at all. But uh, Harris, I don't know what this hip thing is. It, it seems like he's been kind of popping up on the injury report and then not really showing much injury during the game. If that continues here, he should have a fine game. I mean, he's, He's one of those guys who's going to get better over the course of a game, too. And it, it's hard for me to imagine the Raiders scoring so much that the Steelers don't lean on Harris. So he gets the 20 carries. He's got a great shot at 100. And I, I think this is no exception. Solid fantasy play for sure this week. Green Bay Packers, six and eight on life support, but trying to make the playoffs. Miami, eight and six, fighting for their lives in a tough AFC. When we look at this game, Miami on offense, Green Bay, I don't think they're going to leave the zone. They love that zone defense. And we've seen Tua Tungo Bailoa against zone. Very good picking apart his zone with his great receivers. Green Bay can get some pressure. It hasn't been the great level of pressure we've seen in the past. How do you think Miami works offensively in this game? Yeah, I think you're right. The big problem that the Packers have here is that their defense is poorly coached, poorly schemed, and Mike McDaniel uh, might be the best play caller in the league. I mean, it's hard to not – you don't have to give the title to him. Uh, you can see that he's close enough there, enough in the conversation, that it's it's concerning for a team like the Packers you can't – uh, I, I don't know what it is. It seems like they definitely can't get fundamental things right. I can't tell if they have the compounding issue of trying ambitious schemes, like ambitious coverages that without having mastered any of them. Uh, it's all bad, though. The results are always bad. There's constantly guys just, just doing puzzling things. And I think McDaniel might just toy with this defense. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make for the Packers' offense as much. I mean, they should be fine. But I, I don't have the level of confidence that I do in the Miami side. Uh, it should be, it should be easy for Tua in this game. Like I would be shocked if Barry, the defensive coordinator for the Packers, had anything at all, really. Yeah, I think Miami is going to score a lot of points here. They can score however they want. They can run on Green Bay. Certainly can pass. It could be a really – they need a get-right game for Tua. And I think Mike McDaniel realized that. And get-right meaning like a big game, a big confidence builder. And I could see him setting that up. And when you talked about the Green Bay side, this is a great setup for them. Because – Miami plays, they are good run defense. They're weak against a pass. 
when they send their blitz, they're not disguised. They're not doing simulated pressures. They are, you see what's coming. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have a great opportunity pre-reading that and seeing right where to go. He did get a good contribution on limited snaps from Romeo Dobbs last week, which was nice. Uh, Christian Watson involved a bit. Lazard blocking quite a bit, but doing well in that role. I do think this is a great shootout potential game. Mario, I love over 49 and a half on this game. Any final words? Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Packers should have to throw the ball, and the, the Dolphins don't really have good personnel there. The Packers really could help themselves, I think, by giving Dobbs more snaps. I mean, I don't know why. Uh, the, the rotating with Cobb has, has no point. Like, get, get Dobbs on the field. He's the better player. I imagine we don't have long to talk about this game. Denver Broncos 4-10, Rams 4-10. Uh, the Denver side of the ball, Cortland Sutton practice a little bit. Not sure what we're getting there. I Aaron Donald has missed two straight games. His presence would be um, significant because the defense completely changes. Anything stick out on Denver side of the ball in this game? Uh, no, I, uh, I got nothing. It's, no, I did recommend people to start Latavius Murray last week. I don't like him as a player. I thought the matchup was great. He did come through with a huge game, uh, this week, even if Donald misses, I'm not really going to advocate Latavius Murray here. Agree on that or disagree, Mario? I agree. It, it's like, you'd have to be, uh, you know, talking like Murray versus Khalil Herbert like earlier or something. It's like he's he's gonna get volume, but I don't know if anything else is there. Yeah, fifty yards is probably what you're looking at as a hopeful top end for him. Other side of the ball, Cam Akers has been running well. Four yards a carry, about five straight weeks. He scored in his last three. Is he playable against Denver? Yeah, I mean he he always should have been pretty good. It was it, it was never it never made sense how how low everything got for Akers earlier this year. So uh, Denver defense is going to show up and play good defense, good fundamental defense initially. But I do think the Rams have the better path to uh, getting the other defense gassed. Like I think uh, Latavius Murray is just a placeholder, like total, total uh, stopgap player. Whereas Akers has a little talent, a little explosiveness. He can make a big play more than Murray can. So uh, if I had to pick a side, it, it would be the Rams. But yeah, it's mostly just looks like two teams beating their heads against the same wall. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers six and eight and leading their division against the Arizona Cardinals four and ten. Cardinals will be going with the third string quarterback Trace McSorley again. Arizona's also without their, without their defensive end Zach Allen. Uh, James Conner's been on a roll, volume, 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 and getting it done. Uh, that said, Arizona with that third string quarterback and in Hollywood Brown's been struggling because backup quarterbacks are just not getting it done. What are your thoughts on Arizona has the football? Anybody going to be useful besides DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah. And maybe not even him. I mean, this is just a brutal matchup for the Cardinals. The, the personnel that the Buccaneers have on defense is very well suited to, I, I guess Jamel Dean's probably still out, but uh, Carlton Davis uh, against DeAndre Hopkins with probably some safety help could be a pretty tough matchup for Hopkins, especially with Trace McSorley at quarterback. So right. ugly, ugly game for the Cardinals. Yeah, and now how about the Tampa Bay side? For the first half of that game against Cincinnati, they looked like they figured things back out. And then Lou Anarumo went in that eight-man drop um, zone, and Tampa Bay was flustered, and then they look like the version we've seen for most of the season. How do the Bucks look in this game against the Cardinals? I think they should be able to take pretty much whatever they want. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals are just beat up, have issues at all levels, uh, especially corner, especially uh, the front three kind of defense. 
Uh, there should be ground yardage, air yardage. I don't know why the Buccaneers would, would struggle at any phase here. So then the last game we're going to talk about is the Monday Nighter. Los Angeles Chargers, 8-6, and six, and now in a playoff spot, believe that or not. Um, I don't know when we're going to get Joey Bosa back, but I hope we get him back soon. Need to see that guy in the field. Love watching him play football. Colts, 4-9-1 after the ca- catastrophic loss against the Vikings. So the Chargers on offense in this one. Now, first of all, Jonathan Taylor, we know, is out. Nick Foles is making a start for Matt Ryan. So I guess let's just start on that side of the ball. Indianapolis is going to face his Chargers defense. They're typically not good against the run, but they can be game plan specifically. They can do a few things. How will Indianapolis be able to move the ball, if at all, against his Chargers defense? Well, they were giving Zach Moss uh, all the, it seemed like, between the tackles kind of stuff and giving Deion Jackson more of the passing down slash you know, in space kind of functions. Uh, Jackson's a lot toolsier than Zach Moss. So there's more big playability, more pass catching. And if there's, if there's like a long run to be had on the ground, Jackson can probably get it better than Moss, but Moss might be the better way of kind of grinding down the defense. So they might both get a decent amount of usage. I don't know, depending on how much success they have, they could both see usage. And, uh, Beyond that, I don't know what to make of Foles. It's uh, it's been a while. I don't even hardly remember what he looks like back there. And expecting anything in particular, I I would just be guessing completely blindly. So, uh, I guess you you like Pittman enough since the I will say the Colts have a have a very reliable uh, intention of freeing up Pittman specifically. You'll see them run entire pass plays where every other route is very clearly designed to free up Pittman. So. If he's getting those routes, he's he's got something to work with and and you know at the expense of the other ones too. You know what I find interesting is Matt Ryan is obviously hypersensitive to pressure. The last time we saw Nick Foles with the Bears, they didn't have any blocking either, and he was hypersensitive to pressure. I don't know that this is an upgrade. Now, yes, he has a may have a liver arm at this point, maybe, but people keep thinking of this Nick Foles from forever ago. He's been around a long, long time. And he's always slow too. Yeah, he's- so I'm not excited. Yeah. I'm not optimistic. Like you said, you could funnel Pittman targets and something could be there. And I think in a PPR league, you give him a shot. But other than that, I think that's all we have. Now, how about the Los Angeles Chargers side of the ball? Who stands out as a good fantasy option here? Well, the, the Colts have some good stuff going on on defense, especially Buckner and Stewart give them a lot of anchor in the middle that leaves them free to put linebacker resources toward uh, you know coverage and whatever else. So it's not exactly an easy matchup for Herbert, but I do wonder if maybe Herbert is the kind of quarterback that the Colts would least like to see because uh, the Colts try to get by doing a lot of like cover three and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of hybrid defense that allows them to, to get away with money ball corners instead of sp- uh, spending big money at the position. And uh, that that's, that's something that maybe you can stress a little bit by testing its depth at corner, uh, making more guys deeper down your depth chart be in coverage and prove that they can conduct this scheme and kind of give them more chances to mess up. And I think running the spread offense the way that the Chargers do and with Herbert having the arm that he does, it's like they really do have to be perfect on their assignments all the time or, or Herbert can get the ball through. So I think that's what the general story will be here is it's like they'll, they'll have to maybe grind it out a little bit, but eventually Herbert will – start finding the cracks and just start hammering through them.
Now, Mario, I had a question about Mike Williams facing Stefan Gilmore. To me, at this point, personally, I think at the stage of his career, I think Mike Williams, he's not going to be bullied by him. That's for sure. So I don't think there's an issue there. And I think that Herbert's going to throw the ball up and Mike Williams is going to win. I'm not concerned about Mike Williams at all. Are you, do you have any different thoughts? I don't know why he goes cold sometimes for the, for the times that he does, but I think part of the issue with Williams and you know key to understanding him is that he's never actually open. And the times that he makes these catches, it's like he's, he's making catches in traffic. So it, it almost comes down to like Herbert acting on just, you know, throwing it, even though he's not open, which he generally does. And then Williams has to kind of have the ball bounce the right way. Cause those, those contested catches every once in a while, you're just not going to catch a few in a row and you might go a quarter or two without capitalizing on an opportunity, but uh, it, it doesn't change on the basis of matchup then uh, unless he's going against like some munchkin corner, it doesn't really matter. Cause it's like, whoever the corner is, they're going to be there. And uh, actually a couple of years ago, Stefan Gilmore played against Devonte Parker when uh, Gilmore was still with the Patriots. And there were a lot of scenarios like that. Parker wasn't getting away from him, but he kept just beating him at the rim over and over and over. So it's possible that these Parker, Mike Williams types are actually just kind of the, the last kind of receiver that a Gilmore type wants to see. Exactly. Totally agree. Cause he doesn't have that, that advantage that he likes to have. Well, we're going to wish everybody all the best of luck in week 16. If you have questions, you can find Mario at the posting scout. You can find me at Jim Coventry NFL. We'll do our best to try to help you if you can. We'd like to wish everyone the happiest of holidays. If you're one who celebrates Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by No House Advantage. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.